Today on Locked On Canadians, the Habs lost to the Shark, but more interestingly, they made a trade, and we have some really fun mailback questions coming up on today's episode. You are Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi there, everyone, and welcome to episode 991. Today's episode is brought to you by Sleeper. Download the Sleeper app and use promo code LOCKEDONNHL to get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. My name is Laura Saba, also known as The Active Stick, and I'm joined, as always, by the wonderful Scott Matlin. Scott, uh, you predicted it. There were some naysayers asking us why we were being so negative. But guess what? The Montreal Canadiens lost to the San Jose Sharks, who were on a massive losing streak. They weren't actually close to breaking the record. I think the record was 17 in a row. They were about they were headed for 13, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, the I believe the record is 18 games in a row. The Sharks entered tonight's game having lost 12 games in a row. Uh, and at no point in time were the Montreal Canadiens even close to winning this game the scoreline of 3-2, a regulation loss, is so beyond flattering for the team tonight that if they had actually scored at the end of the game with that extra attacker twice to force overtime, I would have been mad because they likely would have stolen a second point they didn't deserve. We, we've we seen a lot of bad losses from this team in the past couple of years as they've been rebuilding and everything, but the general consensus that I have seen from Habs fans, from the most reactionary to the most level-headed is everybody is okay with a team that is rebuilding and knowing there are going to be losses and tough stretches in there. This is a game that you should not lose. This is a team who is worse than you on paper, is worse than you in statistical things, everything. This was not a game you should have lost. And here we are. We're, t- we're talking about it. Uh, I... I've been upset at Habs games before for different reasons. This is the first time I can think that I am upset because all of it was terrible. Samuel Montembeau got hung out. They gave up almost 40 shots to the San Jose Sharks. The San Jose Sharks are terrible. The San Jose Sharks. The San Jose Sharks. It's, and yeah, zero points, great, whatever, fine, tank, whatever. This was embarrassing. There was a point in the third period with like seven and a half minutes left that the fans are sarcastically olaying this team because they cannot string two passes together against the San Jose Sharks. This is not them playing Vegas or Florida or Boston or Toronto or any of the actual good teams in the league here. 12 game losing streak San Jose. It was abysmal. If you paid money to go to this game, I recommend you write the Habs and ask for your money back. This was offensive to watch in that I I, I considered just going outside and sitting in the street and hoping a car hit me because it was more enjoyable than watching this game. I, <laughs> I, 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 mean, I don't know how else to say that. It's like I can handle losses and be frustrated and look at the greater good on that. 
this game told me that there's a whole bunch of passengers on this team or that this team came in and thought, ah, it's San Jose. We're going to win even if we don't try. And then they got punched in the mouth by a team that wanted to end a losing streak. Uh, I'd be embarrassed if I was any player except for Samuel Montembeau tonight. Any single player on that team, you should be embarrassed again completely. It's inexcusable. And if the Habs were in a position to do so, this is the game kind of game that gets somebody fired. It embarrassing across the board, just truly, absolutely embarrassing. I mean, okay, so I think you know, like the first per- the first thing people would say is they were on the second night of a back to back. I don't think that's an excuse because it is the San Jose Sharks. If you're losing to like the Colorado Avalanche like this on the second night of a back to back, I totally understand. But allowing a team that has not been able to string together, you know, even like they started the season with a losing streak. Like that's what they did. This team is hapless. Like they are headed for the number one overall pick. And I want that for our friend JD, but honestly, like this team is not like, it's not like you're losing to a good team. It's not like you're coming out like that against a good team. And I understand being tired. I understand second night of a back-to-back with travel. I get it. I get all of that. But you still should have put out a better effort, not necessarily a better result. Like if it was 3-2 and they played well, I would be fine with it. But a better effort than you did. Like I sincerely hope that like after the game, you know, paint was be- coming off the walls. I understand that Martin St. Louis is not that kind of guy, but like at this, at this point, like everybody deserves to be, I know we're like going way back to like 2004 or whatever. Everybody deserves to be bag skated. I don't believe in bag skating. I don't believe in like cheap punishments like that, but like everybody does have to like take a good look at the way they played and like why and examine that, you know, like, and again, like we are fans and we're not the coach. We're not in the front office. People are like, Oh, what do you know? You don't know. You're not, you're not in the locker room. No, we're not. But we are paying to see this, this team, like whether we're paying for a subscription to watch it or we're paying for tickets to go and see them like as customers, this is not good. To be honest, I'd bag skate them. I'd bag skate them after this game. (laughs) If the CBA let them, it's, I don't want to hear excuses about being tired. You didn't play for two thirds of the game last night against Philadelphia. You <laughs> sat on your butt and, def- and tried to defend and did nothing. And we're lucky to get a point out of that because Caden Primo was great. And then you came out tonight and you didn't do anything. The Sharks beat you in like every category, statistical or otherwise. I don't want to hear being tired. It's a back-to-back They haven't played a ton of those this year. And yes, the team is injured. I get that. You just got a fresh Rafael Harvey Pinard back, which is great. No one showed up. Nobody. That's not, oh, this player. And here's the thing is if there are players who are tired, your veterans like a Matheson, a Savard, a Suzuki, whoever who are playing a ton. If they are not performing at a level, you need them to in a back-to-back play the other players. Caden Gooley looked great again. Jaden Struble had some, you know, screw-ups, but got, you know, more into his bag as the game went on here. Relying on the same five players to bail you out of everything is a bad thing. And yes, I know they're injured. I get it. But oh my sweet God, can I only watch him throw out Mike Matson to play like the final 75% of the third period because they're trailing and ignoring other players. Just... It's maddening. And the thing is, we saw it coming a mile away. 
in that I thought maybe I'm being too negative. Maybe they're going to come out and they're going to hang five goals on the Sharks and just coast after the first two periods. They didn't even get halfway there. They started doing the thing where they start defending a two-goal lead without a two-goal lead or two goals and just (laughs) sat there and let the game happen to them. They were passengers in their own building. They were booed for most of the third period. If there were things that could have been tossed at them, I assume some fans might have thought about doing that, but pretzels cost $37, so they're <laughs> not going to. It's I, I've, I find myself being so wildly frustrated by this game because we all saw it coming, and Andrew Berkshire on Twitter put it best, is that San Jose circled this as a game they could win, came out and punched the Habs in the mouth, and the Habs had no answer. That's on the coaching staff for not having this team prepared and the team for not giving a crap. And you can say I'm not in the locker room. I don't know what's going on. That wasn't a team that gave a crap tonight. Outside of the goalie, who Samuel Montembeau should be able to, you know, punch every one of his teammates for that. It's just, this was a bad game. Nobody was prepared. Nobody comes out looking good. The Sharks do. You know, great for them. Good for them. Yeah, we're happy for our friend JD. I'm upset for this team and that we dedicated two and a half hours to watching that. It's like I said, going out in the snow and waiting for a bus to run me over would have been preferable. Cause at least it might've taken less time to suffer the anguish of something happening to me uh, in mean... this. So <laughs> I'm being extremely dramatic for effect. Don't so get Carly, Scott with a bus, please. <laughs> oh, yeah. Carly, if you're listening to this, I'm not going to go get hit by a bus. I promise there's, there's <laughs> wedding planning to be done, but it's, um... Oh, yes, we can finally talk about that now. Scott. Yeah, we'll do that later on when I'm not <laughs> so mad at this stupid hockey team that I love. Uh, I I, um, I don't know what else to say on that. They have the Oilers on Saturday, and the Oilers are either going to hang 10 goals on the Habs or Jake Allen's going to make 45 saves, and they're going to win. There will be no in-between on that because that's how this team works. This team uh, doesn't have an in-between. No, it's one or the other. I'm yeah. I'm hoping that they got an earful and a half from Martin St. Louis and other people tonight because everybody's grounded. That was embarrassing. That was embarrassing as hell on so (laughs) many levels. All right. Um, The Ahabs are at least doing some things. I'm sure things will ramp up now after this game, there's going to be a lot more trade talk, Uh, but they did make a trade and uh, we are going to talk about it in just one moment here on Locked On Canadians. But first, this episode is brought to you by Sleeper. We are almost halfway. We're pretty much halfway into the season. And the Montreal Canadiens, as you can tell, are inconsistent. Uh, And regardless of where they are in the current standings or how badly they play against the San Jose Sharks, I want to remind you that you could actually win, unlike the Habs. And you could win big by playing playing daily fantasy hockey on Sleeper, the official daily fantasy app of the Locked On NHL Network. Sleeper is our number one choice for daily fantasy sports and especially daily fantasy hockey because with Sleeper, you can win 100 times your cash in daily fantasy hockey contests. All you have to do is pick whether, you know, somebody like McDavid, Ovechkin, Crosby will record more or less than their Sleeper projections for things like goals, assists, saves, plus minus, and more in any given game. Spoiler alert, if you pick a Hab tonight, it would have been very, very, very low. It would have been less and like extremely less. So to win 100 times your money on Sleeper, you need to correctly predict the outcome of eight player stats. You heard me, Canadian fans. You can win 100 times your money by playing daily fantasy hockey with Sleeper. So start paying attention and nail your pick so you can start winning big. Use promo 
promo code locked on NHL and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. That's code locked on NHL. See sleepers terms of use for details and locational availability. All right. So, uh, Scott, full disclosure, I did not get hit by a bus out in the middle of the street, but I did have a lot like my life was kind of like that game uh, tonight. I uh, hit a patch of not a patch of ice, a block of ice in a snowbank. And now my car is broken. So if you do body work, hit me up. Um, in the meantime, what I did miss was a whole bunch of news today that happened. One of which is the Montreal Canadiens made a trade. Uh, and the first thing that I said when I saw that was, who's that? So, uh, this kind of came out of nowhere. So I took uh, off of work early cause I'm a little under the weather just because winter's finally decided to arrive in Buffalo here. <laughs> uh, the Habs and Sabres made a pair of trades today. And it, it's funny. I was talking to uh, Joe Yerden of the Associated Press and noted hockey about this on Twitter is that the Habs and Sabres made a trade for the AHL team and the AHL team then made a trade for the ECHL team kind of in this cascading effect. So the Buffalo Sabres traded forward Philip Cedarquist to the Montreal Canadiens for future considerations. Usually not a good sign for the quality of the player you are getting but I'll talk about Cedarquist in a minute there. Uh, he will be reporting to the Laval Rocket. He's been playing with the Rochester Americans, the Sabres AHL affiliate uh, for the past couple of years now. In the ECHL, the Rocket traded defenseman Noah Launen to, uh, this, uh, to the Americans for defenseman Chris Jandrick. Uh, Jandrick will be joining the uh, Trois-Rivières Lions. He is on in the first year of a two-year AHL contract, so he will be sticking around last year. Uh, it's kind of similar to last year where the Canadians traded Cam Hillis for Nicolas Baudin and future considerations and that future considerations ended up being forward Riley McKay in a uh, ECHL trade afterwards on that. Uh, honestly, and this is not this is not an NHL move uh, before anyone gets too excited here. This is this is not meant to be an NHL move in the slightest. Philip Cedarquist will be reporting to the Rocket because that team desperately needs forward help right now. Six foot three, 203 pounds, 23 years old from Sweden uh, in 19 games of the Americans this year. One goal, three assists, uh, 11 penalty minutes. He's not going to light up the scoreboard, but Lord knows that they've found a million of these guys in past years that aren't performing on one team. They come in and find a niche on this one, but the biggest part of this trade is the rocket sorely needed a forward uh, and they went out and got one, uh, one who has, you know, professional experience. He played in hockey house Fenske and he played in the SHL before coming over to uh, the AHL last year for Rochester, where he had 20 points in 55 games. Uh, bottom six guy. He he's, he's guy basically for this I, team yeah, right now. I was going to say the Canadians, needed. I was going to say the Canadians traded for a guy whose main job is to exist. Yeah, and, and and here's the thing, too, is that uh, I believe he has another year on his entry-level deal. Uh, he is supposed to be heading back to Sweden after this year was over. Uh, that is the conf That's not even a rumor that has been confirmed by folks in both Buffalo and in the Montreal market. We'll see if that changes depending on how his playing time goes with the Rocket. But at the meantime, it's fine. 
if adding Philip Cedarquist is fine for this team. They needed the help there. And in any case, Chris Jandrick uh, is, I mean, nothing crazy special there, but the Lions swapped a defenseman, needed a defenseman back. He's got eight points in 12 ECHL games this year, no points in seven AHL games this year. I can't really be upset about it, but it was a trade. We talked about this on the other episode too. We predicted the Sharks were going to lose and that the Rocket needed to make a trade with all the injuries. I'm two for two on things, and I'm only happy really about one of those as the show goes on here. <laughs> Can you please predict that I will win $9 million, please? Well, you're already heading out for next week for stuff and things. So maybe <laughs> maybe you'll win $9 million on said thing there, and maybe I'll win the lottery, and maybe <laughs> who knows? Uh, I will be away, everybody. Uh, that is a quick programming note. I'll be away for a week, but I will be back the following Monday. Uh, and it'll be fun to see me try and do a three up and three down, having been completely, completely off the grid uh, for an entire week. Uh, so that's going to be interesting. Um, and uh, I, I only, the only one other thing that I wanted to ask Scott was as the person on this podcast and on various other areas of the internet who covers the Laval rocket. What other moves would you like to see the Montreal Canadians make for the purposes of helping the rocket? Like say like it's another guy who is either a long way from the NHL or is just on an AHL contract and won't make the NHL. Like what would you like to see them do? There are two names that I wouldn't be shocked if they move on. Nicola Baudin is already like he has asked for a trade and they're working at trying to find a partner for that. I think the biggest thing is he's going to go. They're going to try and find another, hopefully a center out of that or, you know, versatile forward to fill in. And I wouldn't be surprised if like Matthias Norlander is part of a trade package for something. Uh, even if he at an NHL level deal, they throw him in to either make the money work or to make contracts work or something. I wouldn't be surprised on that. The biggest thing is I would like them to get Mitchell Stevens back. Uh, just to stabilize the forward core a little bit there, be their key face-off guy, their key penalty-killing guy, uh, their power play face-off guy. I think that he could do a lot of good for this team. That would require the Canadians to find an NHL fourth-line center, which shouldn't be too hard. I'm not asking you to go out and get prime Patrice Bergeron or anything here, but somebody to get Stevens back to the rocket. The downside is I'm pretty sure he needs waivers now at this point, so... Uh, we'll see on next. The last person they waved that we didn't think would get claimed did. So uh, the Rocket need weird. help. Yeah, which goes to Evelynstrom's and Anaheim Duck now. I don't know if we touched on that for long yesterday or not, but we only briefly touched on it because it, it like it happened and it didn't really like it was a surprise, but it didn't really move the needle in terms of our expectations for either team. Really, I wonder if that did set some things a little bit faster in motion because if they had Lindstrom coming down. They might have moved on from somebody else, maybe did a different trade or something in there. But uh, for right now, the biggest thing is they need another forward help there. Joshua has been playing well. Brandon Jignac's been playing well. Leah Sanderson's been playing well. Philip Maie's playing well. But they need another another veteran forward in there, I think. And I think that when they trade whatever spare defenseman they have, that's what's coming next for this team. And we'll see what the Habs do, too, because when you lose 3-2 to the Sharks, uh, you start making changes more rapidly. Uh, it's the kind of thing that you got to move people off this team, honestly. Absolutely. Um, but we are not done. I know we've had like a little bit, we had a little bit of a rant and then we talked a little bit about a trade, but we have, what is something going on? 
Uh, Emil Heinemann has been sent down to the Laval Rocket. So, oh, great news! <laughs> uh, I so don't there's even your know veteran forward. Well, veteran forward. <laughs> yeah, um, I want to go check natural stat trick for something real quick because I I, I feel like getting mad about something again. All right. Um, um, while you do that, why don't I tell uh, the listeners about uh, one of our lovely sponsors? Just give me one moment here. This episode is also brought to you by Game Time. How often do you find that you're trying to get tickets to an event or a show or like I'm really big on stand up comedy and these big specials. There's always games in town and you don't find the tickets and you're scrambling. You're trying to find them at the last minute. Maybe you heard too late about it or you're trying to take a friend or you're trying to buy gifts for people and you can't find tickets. And I'm here to tell you that getting tickets should not be stressful in any way. There should not be any hidden fees. There should not be, you know, you shouldn't be like breaking your brain trying to find a place. You should be able to see where you're going to sit. You should be able to see the view from the ticket that you're purchasing. And it should be so, so, so easy. And honestly, there's... um, I didn't mention that it was game time that was going to change your life like this. (laughs) There are no hidden fees, like I said, but the app is so, so easy to use. You can get tickets in just a couple of taps, really. There's always last minute tickets. There's always flash deals. There's always zone deals. You can find tickets for every kind of event in your area. And it's honestly like to me, like it took so much guesswork and so much trouble out of buying tickets. You will get like, honestly, it's just going to change your life. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code Locked On L O C K E D O N for twenty dollars off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, Scott, you said you feel like getting mad about something again? Well, I was going to, and then I realized it doesn't really matter. I was going to see how much Emil Heinemann played against the Sharks tonight, and then realized he just didn't play at all, and they played Yol Armia to be absolute crap for, like, 37th game in a row. So uh, No, that's I'm sorry. Me- he scored a few goals. He's becoming trade bait. Not Anyways, tonight. it's Friday, which means <laughs> it's time for the Friday mailbag. Am I right? <laughs> Scott and I were about to get into a fight there. No, it's just because I praised him on the last three up, three down. So I'm a bit, uh, I'm a bit defensive <laughs> about Yoel Armia. All right, Scott, do you want to hear what mailbag questions we have today? As long as they're not about Yoel Armia, yes. Okay, perfect. Um, so these are some questions that we got in our email. We did get quite a few questions. So if we don't see your question today, we will get to it at some point. This one comes from Kyle. Hi, Scott and Laura. I've been a fan of the show for years. You do a great job and I tune in for every episode. Thank you so much, Kyle. It makes us feel so good to hear that. I'm from Nova Scotia, where I grew up a lifelong Habs fan. I'm writing to you from Lausanne, Switzerland, where I currently live. Oh, that's nice. The Cotton Flyers are coming to town on Sunday. So this was last week. So I'm hoping to catch Reinbacher play live. Uh, Please tell us how the game was. This is obviously, we got this email last week on Friday. So uh, it didn't make last week's mailbag. So the question is, what do you think are the chances that Montreal exercises the option on the Calgary? So don't forget to tell us how that game went, please, Kyle. Here's Kyle's question. What do you think are the chances that Montreal exercises the, exercises the option on the Calgary pick to take it in the upcoming draft instead of 2025? If I read the conditions correctly, there seems to be a good chance that the pick this year is in the same range as they are likely to get next year. 
For example, Calgary is currently in place to get the 22nd pick this year, which the Habs could take if they want to. If they do not take it, then we can start making some predictions about how the teams will finish next year. I think there's a good chance that Calgary ends next season in the bottom 10 in the league and Florida finishes closer to the top of the league, perhaps in 10th overall. In this scenario, the Habs actually have to take the Florida pick, which would be the 22nd overall. So I think things are starting to come into focus and we can start to make some reasonable predictions. The big factory, the big factor, sorry, will be what Calgary does approaching the trade deadline. If they start selling off their pieces, then it becomes more certain that they will finish in the bottom 10 of the league next year. So sorry for the long question. In short, do you think the Habs might make the Calgary pick this year instead of next year? Uh, well, I'm on Tankathon right now, and the Calgary pick is ninth, which means I believe it is lottery protected, which means the Habs, I don't think, can claim it this year. Uh, I think they're pushing it to next year because I think Calgary is going to sell off a lot of pieces and go through a mini rebuild, and I'd prefer they defer it to next year anyways to give them a better shot. Uh, if they take it this year, I'm hoping that it's, you know, I, cause I believe the one this year is top 10 protected, uh, on, if I, uh, looked at cap friendly correctly there, but, um, I think they're going to push it to next year. I think that's just the safest way to ensure you're likely going to end up with a higher pick there, uh, in the event, uh, Calgary for so if it's between 20 and 32, Montreal can take that pick. Uh, in the event that Calgary receives Florida's 2025 per, yeah, I think they're going to defer it to next year and just take the likely higher pick overall. Um, I think that also makes sense just in general because of the lottery protection. Uh, real quick, though, uh, we are running out of time. So there's two really interesting questions that I'm going to leave for Scott to do next week while he's solo. Uh, but I did want to get to a question from Randy Hansen before we run out of time. There are two actually two, two questions. Uh, the Habs continue to have one of the worst penalty kills in all of hockey for several years now. Will this kill any value that Jake Evans might have on the trade market considering his role in this? What would an acceptable return be for Jake Evans in your opinion? I I, I mean, like a fifth round pick is likely what you're going to get here. Jake Evans isn't exactly an offensive dynamo. And uh, I think most smart people wouldn't blame the penalty kill on Jake Evans. Uh, the defense itself is just not great. He's got 12 points this year. He's somehow plus five, uh, which is wild to me. I don't know how that happened at all, but uh, I don't think they're going to trade him just because I think he's a really useful bottom six piece to have that you can keep relatively cheaply as well. Uh, I think Monaghan's still the first one out the door, then Pearson, et cetera. It, the biggest thing with the penalty kill is it's going to impact the, you know, the value of guys like Yoel Armia, David Savard, uh, any goaltender behind that defense right now is more what I'd be concerned about because the goalies are hung out to dry. They look bad that they give up so many power play goals because they play the diamond formation where they have one guy who's up high, two people kind of sitting in the middle there, and then one defenseman there. And a lot of the time it's passive. There's no pressure between it and teams. The diamond hasn't worked before. They played the diamond under Michel Therrien, and it was also awful because there's no pressure to it. I'm begging this team to just change the power play formation a little bit and see if it helps. And if people like David Savard or Madison can't play in that, then you find players who do on this team. It's as simple as that. This should be a season about finding out what's best long-term. And I, 
Part of it is the personnel. They don't have an elite penalty killer without Philip Deneau anymore. Nick Suzuki does his best, but he's playing 25 minutes a night. They need they need to fix things to help cover for the lack of total talent on there right now. Yeah, and honestly, like the, when when you were initially answering this question, I feel like if the scouting staff where the other team does their homework, Jake Evans looks even better in context, right? Um, so I think, um, I think like that was Randy's question is that we know what Jake Evans value is, but does the, like, does the penalty kill being bad hurt him? And I, I don't think it does. I think it makes him stand out better. And then finally, again, from Randy Hansen recently discovered Laurel K. Hamilton and her Anita Blake vampire hunter series. And I'm now a fan. What surprise author have you discovered that you'd like to recommend to people who may not be aware of them. So I think Scott's recommendation is going to be mine too. <laughs> um, uh, it's it's the book that Carly recommended to me. Oh, The Prior of the Orange Tree? The Prior you of will, the Orange Tree. Yeah, well, Carly will recommend that one. I haven't read that because it's big and intimidating and I don't, and I didn't it, want to it read that. It is massive. Um, <laughs> it's literally um, like, I, I put it next to the King James Bible and it was the same size. So. <laughs> um, I'm right like, next to my bookshelf. This works out perfectly. So, so you're gonna, uh, yeah, you're showing us the the size of the. Well, no, I'm uh, no, I'm gonna tell you the books that I want people to read. So, okay, go ahead. I've been re I'm reading the First Law trilogy by Joe Abercrombie. I'm actually on the third book, which is called The Last Argument of Kings. Uh, if you kind of love Game of Thrones, you know The Witcher, that medieval Skyrim kind of thing, this is gonna be right up your alley. Uh, not as intimidatingly long as Game of Thrones, and uh, not as grossly misogynistic. So uh, the other one, but I haven't started it yet, is Shadow of the Gods by John Gwynn, which was recommended to me because I Googled one time, I want a book that's like reading Skyrim. And that was what <laughs> was recommended to me. And uh, I love that, though. I love that. Like, you you ask for a feel, and you get a book recommendation. Yes. Oh, and then the one I got for Christmas... Between Two Fires by Christopher Buhlman, which I was told if since I like Dark Souls, Bloodborne, Elden Ring, very similar to that. And then I will recommend Scott Lynch's Gentleman Bastard series to everybody who loves thieves and magic and a whole bunch of other fun stuff in there. Witty dialogue, flashbacks, other good things. Plenty of good books out there. So, okay. So for me, I forgot to say the name of the author. It's Samantha Shannon. Um, and the book is, I'm trying to like, it looks like it's, it's like this giant yellow book with like a dragon on it. Um, this is kind of what it looks like. Um, I don't know if you can see it. Yeah, <laughs> you can see my ring light in there. Uh, but uh, but yeah, so that that's a book that Carly actually recommended to me. Um, and I'm not really big on reading fantasy. I generally will read nonfiction or like like crime thrillers, um, or detective thrillers and things like that. But I really, really, really enjoyed this book, and I recommend it to everybody. In the meantime, that's it for me for this week or for. Uh, for a week. Uh, Scott will be back with you all week next week and I will be back the following week and then it'll be Scott's turn to disappear for a little while uh, And but no matter what we are here for you five days a week because we're part of the Lockdown Podcast Network where you get your team every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast as well as on YouTube so please subscribe and how you get in touch with us is you leave mailbag you leave comments in the YouTube you can also tweet us or DM us on Twitter uh, we're at LO underscore Canadians, or you can email us at lockdowncanadians at gmail.com, which is by far our most preferred way of communication. Thank you so much for listening. And Scott, we'll see you all next week.